Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2003. It was a rough year for me. I had experienced divorce and it was a rough one. So bad that it landed me in the hospital. I recovered from that, but I was in the midst of starting up my agency and I had to turn over the reins to consultants Mind you, consultants that I trusted. But I had a lot of unanswered questions. During that time, I was working with Sister to Sister magazine. You know, Jamie Foster Brown? Right. The entertainment magazine that had Q&As with celebrities and their parents. Jamie knew everybody's mother. And I turned to Jamie like she was my media mom. And I explained to her how I was feeling. And she told me, you know, Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff Gardier. At the time, Dr. Jeff had a column that routinely ran in Sister to Sister magazine where readers would write in and ask him questions, anything to do around mental health, emotional wellness, and so forth. You see, Dr. Jeff is a psychologist. So Jamie connected me with Dr. Jeff and we spoke on the phone for the first time. And I never will forget the advice and counsel that Dr. Jeff gave me. Not only was it enlightening, it was empowering. And I have to say, it was one of those moments that was turnkey for me because the confidence that was restored the outlook, positive outlook that he gave me and provided for me was important. And thanks to Dr. Jeff, a strong family and friend um, support, my tribe, and of course my faith in God, I was able to get up and get my agency going And within at least a year and a half, I would build it to a seven-figure business. I want you to meet Dr. Jeff. You've probably seen him on CNN Headline News or The Real Housewives of Atlanta, Couples Court, and some other places. But Dr. Jeff and I, we go back a long ways. 2003, gosh, that's about 16 years. Dr. Jeff is a friend. And throughout the time between then and now, he has provided his services as a spokesperson and an influencer for a myriad of brands that I worked with as a part of my agency and beyond. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I want you to meet Dr. Jeff Gardier. America's psychologist. I challenged Dr. Jeff 
to a conversation around a topic that is very important to us here in the United States and beyond. It is the 4th of July. It's Independence Day. But I also wanted to talk about a topic that sometimes tears us apart. And that is the topic of privilege. This isn't a conversation for the faint of heart. But if you're ready to move to understanding, I suggest you take a listen. Okay, everybody, we have Dr. Jeff Gardier. He is America's psychologist. You've probably seen him on headline news. And you've also seen him on The Real Wives of Atlanta, Housewives of Atlanta, um, Couples Court. And what else, Dr. Jeff? Uh, Loving Hip Hop New York and The Reels Channel and Paternity Court and Couples Court. <laughs> you name it, I've, uh, I've, I've been working it and I'll soon be driving Uber in your neighborhood. <laughs> right, you know, uh, Uber with you, Dr. Jeff, would be a hoot. I mean, <laughs> honestly. You guys, you probably know that this is the guy that knows the insights and the great inside scoop on the why people do what they do. So Dr. Jeff is a forensic psychologist. You want to tell everybody what that means? A forensic psychologist basically that uh, I am able to work with people in criminal fields, uh, uh, working with people who have backgrounds uh, uh, with regard to the justice system and so on. Basically with crime and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's deep. That's really deep. And you have a practice, right? I do. I have a practice uh, in New York, but now my uh, practice is uh, global uh, thanks to uh, Skype, FaceTime, and other um, platforms, and it's really amazing. Uh, you even get people now, uh, Michelle. Should I say El Michelle? Yes. Uh, you, you can, can get... call me Michelle. You've known me for years. Well, but you're... <laughs> yeah. Michelle. So, <laughs> so you, you, you even get folks now who may be no more than 10 miles away, but they'd rather Skype or FaceTime in for their therapy session because of the convenience. Yeah, you know, I have coaching clients yeah. that Zoom, we use Zoom. Yeah. You know, either around the corner or across uh, the globe. Yeah, so isn't it amazing? It's awesome, I love technology. What do you say we have a culture soup oh, moment? You let's ready? do that, I'm ready to sip. Awesome, okay. So, you know, I'm always combing the threads and I'm always amazed at how different trending topics keep people talking. And sometimes when, whether it's politics or sports or even the weather sometimes, people can veer into the topic of race. And very often, so much of that conversation is stemming from the idea of privilege. And, you know, we hear the term white privilege a lot in America, but as Americans, we have privilege. There's layers to privilege, don't you exactly. think? Exactly. You have uh, white privilege, you have white male privilege, you have male privilege, you have um, white female privilege uh, in some other, of course, cultures, um, though we don't see it as much as we should. You have different types of female privilege. But I think when we're talking about privilege, uh, two things come to mind, and that is either um, white male privilege uh, mm -hmm. or um, American privilege. Just as 
talked yes. about how perhaps mm-hmm. uh, Americans are not aware that they have a certain type of culture where they take for granted uh, all of the rights and all of the privileges uh, that many people just don't have. Right, right. You know, it's so layered. There's colorism. Uh, you know, sometimes people, based on the skin, their skin color, even within segments, like um, if you're African American, if you're Asian Indian, if you're Latino, you have seen where the lighter your skin is, you might have privilege that maybe your darker skin, you know, um, people might not have. Is that correct? Isn't it fascinating that um, as human beings, we tend to, you know, subconsciously, um, when we're looking at people as far as their different skin colors, there may be a preference for the darker skin because we associate it with uh, being more and it may not be the, the truth, but more impervious to the effects of the sun. But when it comes to actual rights, when it comes to actual uh, behavior, when it comes to actual privilege, then we see the lighter the skin color uh, in many, many, many different cultures, not African American mm-hmm. culture, not just Caribbean culture, but in many different cultures that seems to make a difference. I know there was a scandal um, with, uh, I believe, with India, where people from India were complaining that, hey, wait a minute, you're just, you know, when it comes to these beauty contestants, beauty pageants, mm-hmm. you know, you're pushing forward uh, lighter skin um, uh, Indian uh, people versus the darker skin ones. Uh, we see that in some of the Asian uh, nations where those who look more Caucasian are being promoted uh, more than those who look more Asian. You know? mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's really... We have a lot to we have a lot to consider, a lot to talk about, a lot to examine with all of us uh, as uh, as uh, global beings um, as to how we need to change our perceptions and our belief systems, because we do marginalize so many others and don't realize how we do that, because a lot of it is an unconscious racism, unconscious sexism and so on, though some of it is just right out there and and hateful. But sometimes you'll find it's the unconscious institutional types of prejudices that are more harmful because people don't even realize what they're doing. So unconscious bias is one of the things that I've spent a lot of time thinking about, especially in my past um, um, job where I was working with one of the Fortune 10s and diversity and inclusion. But you know what? It's just interesting because I think privilege is probably as American as apple pie. And you know what? It's July 4th, so why not? Let's talk right. about it. And we've got American psychologists, so sure, why not, absolutely. right? But it's, it's interesting when you travel as an American. Sometimes you come into situations where unconsciously you have stepped on someone else's culture without realizing it. So let's talk about what privilege actually is. I, I, I tend to think of it as something that centers you in your world and has everybody else around you. What what would you say? Well, when you say centers you in the world, I think that's a great explanation uh, because you become 
I think, you know, in another way, the center and not mm -hmm. even aware that you have a lot of, you're given a lot of uh, permission, a lot of support um, that you may not have necessarily earned, but you're mm -hmm. in the right package as far as, you know, your, your, your sex, your gender, behavior, sexuality, and so on, um, that people, you know, when you're in that, you don't even realize uh, all of yeah. these advantages that you have and the disadvantages that it puts other people in. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like the way you put that because as much as you may have put yourself at the center, others have put you there too. Right, right? exactly. So and, so, and that's the thing. It's not about people who have privilege or bad people. Um, it is really um, an institutional cultural phenomenon that you know, in many ways gives you a lot of advantages, but also disadvantages in that you're almost like walking blindly, you know, mm -hmm. in the world thinking, you know, having a certain perception of yourself, but other people have a very different perception. A lot of the perceptions are right. positive, but some of the other perceptions are negative because people are prejudiced towards you with your having you know, this sort of advantage and you're not even aware of it. And that's why we see many times when it comes to, you know, privilege in white males, you have white males who complain and say, I've never been prejudiced. I've never done anything wrong. No, mm -hmm. I, you know, I love all people. And yes, absolutely. I totally get it. Uh, but you also have to own and acknowledge that there are certain things that you are given, certain things that you own, certain things that you were born into that other people don't have. And therefore, you have to be able to acknowledge that to yourself and to them if you want to be totally you know, and truly enlightened uh, as to your place in the world. It's interesting to me how part of the institutionalized um, nature of privilege works because have you found, because I've seen it, people who are not necessarily in the privileged population who buy into the privilege. So, for instance, Catalyst did a study in 2017 that delved into the idea of the corporate structure and how white males are centered in that structure as the power core, right? But that women and women of color are on the fringes because even by definition, by race and by gender, they're outsiders, sure. right? So in the case of black women, they're double outsiders. But what I found is that other black women, other people of color, other women even, because they're so used to that power structure and white maleness being the center, that they look at one another and don't expect as much out of even their own sisters. Uh, I, I agree with that. Um, and I think that is really the destructive part of privilege that now it begins to affect other people. It is so much part of the system, so much part of the institution that people don't understand uh, what it is that they're doing when they begin to exclude one another 
or get into a competition with one another uh, in order to become part of that sort of centrist um, place uh, within uh, the institution to earn that mm -hmm. privilege that even when they do earn it, uh, as we saw with uh, President uh, Barack Obama, still wasn't uh, accorded the privilege that any person uh, should be accorded as being president of the United States. So, right, right. so, you know, we have to be aware that it's not just about making ourselves better who are outside of the circle, but also understanding that we have to begin to interact in a way which is therapeutic with one another, but also with the person who is in that centrist position because they will never view you or treat you the way that you deserve to be treated if they're stuck subconsciously with this idea of privilege and don't quite understand why you will never have the same privilege that they do. Right. So let's flip it on its ear. Aren't there some good mindset traits that we can take from those who are privileged? Um, and, and bear with me for a while. Is it that those of us who may not be centered in that privilege, we take on a mindset that since we are not and since people do not value us, that maybe we take on the, the, the devaluation, if you will. Is there some merit to taking on a mindset that centers you even if you are not centered by society. Um, it, it, it came across as a very complex and unique uh, and uh, difficult question. But as you put it to me, um, I begin to think about the importance of uh, black love, uh, black power, mm -hmm. and not a way to denigrate mm -hmm. anyone else, but believing in oneself, learning to love oneself. And that's something as African-Americans, Caribbean-Americans, other underrepresented minorities, um, you know, right down to people who want to change other cultures, um, who want to change, right. you know, the, the shape of their eyes to look more Western or more Caucasian not having that self-love. So that's one thing that we can say with people who are privileged, um, they practice self-love. You know, they are loved yeah. and they learn to love themselves and hold a certain standard because that's what they were born into, that's what they're used to, that's how people treat them. And once we, outside of that center, begin to love who we are, um, then I think this is something that is very positive that perhaps having the privilege of being an African-American or an Asian-American and seeing that as a privilege. So, you know, if I were wearing a hat like you are right now, I would say hats off to you, El Michelle, because that is probably one of the most provocative questions that I've been um, asked in a very long time. Well, Dr. Jeff, I'm going to ask you some more provocative questions because I'm yeah. writing a book and I kind of let that slip a couple episodes ago. And my premise is somewhere around changing the mindset and how much we can learn from, from privileged um, mm. groups, right? Um, as underprivileged groups, depending on what culture you might be speaking right. of, right? So I, I, I'm reminded of a scenario. It's just something that happened to me once when I was working at this big company 
and a group of black women who are very, very polished, have all the degrees. I say fine people, fine cars, fine clothes, just just impeccable corporate ladies, right? We're sitting there at a conference and we came out of this very provocative panel where we were talking about, you know, people of color and underrepresented groups being, you know, um, um, dealing with microaggressions and unconscious bias. And I made a statement. I don't even remember what the statement was. But the part of the conversation that jumped out at me was there was a white man that approached us, nicest guy in the world, one of my favorites, who said something like, um, so Michelle, you said X, Y, and Z, and then you said you never would say it. I'd say it. And I said, oh. And he said, yeah, why wouldn't you say it? And I said, well, do you know what they would do to somebody like me if I said that? out in this environment and it struck me when he responded he said I would say it and I'll tell you why I'd say it what could they do to me but take my job I'd just go find another one and then it hit me this is not the way even the three black women find clothes find cars find degrees all of this find people even thought we were thinking oh if I say that I fear that someone would take my job. And instead of saying, I'll just go get another one or I'll just go start my own thing, we're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, where does that put us? We are, you know, we're bound by our mindset. So could we borrow that mindset from our white brother? So, you know, it's, uh, you're absolutely right that this is uh, something that we can, you know, begin to work our way towards feeling freer and uh, being more uh, self-assured and having better self-esteem to say, you know what, you can take this job and shove it if you don't like what I'm saying, as long as I'm speaking truth to power. But I think we have to look Mm -hmm. at at a bigger stage. And that is, um, you know, and I know you like to go right into the popular culture. Let's talk about what happened to Monique. Uh, uh, Let's talk about the conversation she had with Steve Harvey on, on his show, which which is going to yes. be gone now, uh, um, you know, yeah. and he basically said to her, you know, Monique, you know, don't forget, you know, we're people of color. We can't do it the way that, you know, the man does it. The man does it. We've got yes. to do it a different way. We have families to feed. You know, one of the things that was left out uh, from that conversation, but maybe I think he, he, he wanted to put it in or he said it in a different way is that we're diff- we're treated in a different sort of standard what may not get yes. someone else fired who is non-black may get us fired if we're black and so you have to put that um that factor into the equation so yes monique is right as you are that yes it's important that we stand up for ourselves and that we believe in ourselves and no risk no reward go for it demand equal treatment but i can also see what steve harvey you know was trying to say that yes stand up for yourself but we got to do it maybe a little bit of a different way because we don't have the privilege. Even someone like Steve Harvey had to give up his show for somebody else coming in because of the politics that may be on with the particular mm-hmm. studio or, you know, corporate group that he was working. Right. But you know what? You're absolutely right. That same Catalyst sto- uh, study shared that what we feel 
when it comes to microaggressions, when it comes to unconscious bias, when it comes to racism outright, mm -hmm. it's real. And that's what I loved about that study and the women in the workplace study with Lean In and yeah. uh, McKenzie, right? But the thing that Mr. Harvey has that maybe you and I don't have <laughs> is a little bit more privilege. Let's and, talk and, about and, this. He's got the money and he's got the clout to go that's start right. another show. That's right. He's going to do it. I was going to say the other thing that he has that we don't have are those really large suits. Yeah. That Elon talk is trash because I've met Steve a couple of times and he's actually a very nice man. He's good people. I haven't met him yet. One of my good friends, yeah. Jalen Bledsoe, is um, quite responsible yeah. for his brand. So um, he was on the show and maybe sure. like episode three. But yeah, you're right. So what I'm driving at is, is if there is an opportunity to feel a little bit more secure in ourselves and what we have and what people cannot take, can we therefore stand in our power and grasp onto some of that mindset that maybe the, you know, culture that's centered has? Wait, wait, so, for wait, instance, wait, 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 if wait, I wait. know... Let, let me tell you this before I lose this thought. <laughs> sure. You're absolutely, uh -huh. absolutely, absolutely right. And there is a privilege that I know that you practice, that I know that I practice, that I know many people, uh, perhaps, you know, who we know, um, uh, whether as patients, as, as clients, as, you know, practitioners, as you and I, and that is the privilege of intellectualism, you know? So yes. when I look at this whole idea of privilege, when I look at white male privilege, when I look at any kind of privilege, right? I mm -hmm. automatically think of myself as a black male above mm -hmm. all of that. In other words, as a, mm -hmm. as a psychologist, mm -hmm. I look at that privilege as being a psychological phenomenon. And therefore, I'm yeah. able to study it I'm removed from it. I analyze it. And therefore, I'm able to move the way that I want to move and to not Absolutely. allow that privilege that someone else may have to slow my roll. One of my mentors is Trudy Bourgeois. What a name. And she has written a book. What, In fact, what it's a behind name, me. right? Yeah. Bourgeois. Yeah. She wrote this book right here, and it's um, Equality, Courageous Conversations About Men, uh, Women, and Race to Spark a Diversity and Inclusion Conversation. Okay, right. uh, breakthrough, excuse me. But Trudy has a theory around creating right. your own equality. And I talked to her as a part of this book that has not come yes. out yet. <laughs> and she, she talks about how you can create what essentially is some yes. privilege, right? When it comes to how you attack your relationships, how you attack, you know, your authenticity, how you attack, you know, even approach and, 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 and face head on microaggressions in a very gracious way. But because you have um, some, what's the word I'm looking for, confidence in your skills, your network, which may come to some privileged people very easily. They don't have to think about it. We have to think about it. If you have some confidence in those things, you can move in ways where you run to the risk 
run to the trouble, like people who maybe aren't so sure about, you know, what they have. And in other, in other words, this podcast lines up every friend I have had in time mm-hmm. <laughs> and then some. And what it showcases is how beautiful these folks are at creating at the epicenter of tech culture and business. But it also shows the power and, of my and community. what it also shows is we ain't hating because someone no. is born into privilege, for example, such as a white male. Listen, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. You, know, you are who you are. We respect who you are. We're not going to let you dominate us. We are going to accept you as an equal. So what we may have, totally. what we may not have as privilege, which may be the color of our skin or, you know, certain genitalia, what have you, we will seize mm-hmm. upon what it is that we do have, which may be pride, which yes. may be, you know, the struggle, which may be, you know, dealing with adversity every in order to be stronger. And I think that's where we need to go as a society, um, that we need to learn to respect one another and and it should not be about, oh, you were born a millionaire, therefore you're a bad person. You were born a white male, therefore you have all these. No, it's about, okay, how do we come to the table in different ways? We all created equal, but we are all different. Yes. And it's our differences that make us strong a and stronger together. Nation, right. Uh, which is yes. why don't get me started. I'm not all for, you know, border walls and all that kind of stuff. Oh, here, yeah. What's See, going on mm. is you have, you know, and I'm not going to name any names, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. I, I, if we want to make America great again, that mm-hmm. means making it better than it ever was because it was, yeah, it, th- we always had division and privilege also feeds into that division. So really our job right. as Americans and those coming over from different countries who one day will be Americans is how do we bring everyone to the table so we can be as strong as possible as a nation, as a people to then be able to be benefactors to others around the globe, because the globe is in many ways warming. Uh, There there are major, major (laughs) issues environmentally and the ecosystem is damaged. So we are all going to have to come together in order to save the planet and save um, our people, our species, the animal species, the insects, all of that. The whole ecosystem. We are going to have to come together. At this point, our conversation takes a turn for the unexpected. We're going to talk a little bit about Black privilege and where you can find it and what Wakanda has to do with it. Thanks to the experience of my sister, the scholar, Dr. Cecilia Joyce Price, and her recent travels to Africa. You know, I want to, you know, bring up this little story. My sister just got back from Ghana. She she flew into Accra and she took 
um, some other conveyances into a small town in Ghana. And what she noticed there, there were people, they were in a village. There were people there that were dirt poor, but they walked with their heads mm-hmm. up high. And she first began to notice that she was the outsider as an African-American. She started to notice the things about her that didn't quite add up to their black privilege, if you will. Um, The fact that there were no varying skin colors, you know, as people from the U.S., we are reminded of our slave history even just looking at the varying skin colors, right? Because so many of our, you know, women were raped in slavery. And that's why, let's keep it real, we all have these varying skin colors, right? Some married for love, but that was very, very rare. Sally Hemings was raped, okay, right? But when you go to Africa, you see that people are this dark chocolate, I mean, monolithic, And that's the norm. So the minute you walk into that, you're an outsider, right? And nobody is making fun because someone is carrying something on their head. That's their culture, right? And I love what you say when you say mm -hmm. that, you know, they walk with pride, no matter what their socioeconomic factor is. That's why when you go to Ghana and someone says, and you're walking behind someone and you want to go somewhere and they say, walk this way. You better walk that way Mm -hmm. and walk just like they walk with a head held high because you're amongst the people where it's more than just privilege. It really is about a birthright, a birthright of being a a proud um, uh, individual, a proud community, a race. Yeah, totally. And it's, you know, she came back with this new... um, perspective even on if you saw black panther you understood killmonger you may not have understood him very well but he really did not feel he had a birthright in either africa well, and, and or america it's, and it's fascinating i i thought marvel did a great job in portraying him as a villain but as a villain who had very interesting psychodynamics um but that yes. the, the so we could look at and and empathize as to who he became, what he became, why he became that way. But it was also really a metaphor, more of a, a, a symbolism for Africa and African Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the interplay yes. Yes. between those particular two particular groups and. What that is yes, about because, America, uh-huh. slavery, and all of those things. So that yes. that was, and but that's why you saw so many people, um, African Americans, Africans primarily, but all races, all religions, come out for that movie and were able to understand what it means Wakanda forever. Totally. I mean, Black Panther was centered. Yeah, in Wakanda. Absolutely. They had their own privilege happening, yeah. which was to a lot of people viewing it like, whoa, I've never seen yes, this before. Abso- well, unless you read Marvel comics like I did growing up, you know, Wakanda <laughs> was the most scientific society on the face of yes. the planet. 
and they, they uh, yes. created vibranium, uh, but they they had to stay hidden and actually played into the stereotype of an inferior mm-hmm. af- poor African nation. All of that was yeah. just a mirage to protect their technology and protect their people because they had the challenge, they had the fear that they would be exploited as many other people of color had been. Deep, deep, deep stuff. The mythology that that reflects all of the many issues of uh, our humanity. You know what, Dr. Jeff? Our time is almost up. This has been great. And all of these conversations we've had, you know what? I really want to get Henry Louis Gates on. Dr. Gates would just eat this up. But this was such a great... Absolutely. Go ahead. Absolutely. And if another person on the street says, hey, Dr. Gates, I'm, I'm going to have to knock somebody ah, out. They call you Dr. Gates? Well, some of them think I look like Dr. Really? Gates. Say, listen, first of all, he's much more handsome, and secondly, he's uh, 10 times smarter, and third, he's about 100 times richer. So, thank you for the compliment, but let me be the privilege of being Dr. Jeff. Yes, well, Dr. Jeff, you're my friend. Dr. Gates is my friend. You know what, Dr. Jeff? This has been amazing. And yes, if you don't mind, not only do I want to invite you back at some point, but I also want to interview you for my book. All right, you, you would got like it. that? Good, good, good. Everybody, Dr. Jeff Gardier, America's psychologist. Thanks so much for coming on. God bless America. God bless America. Happy Fourth. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeff Gardier. Everybody, we have an even more exciting guest coming up if we can have one. I want to introduce to some and reintroduce to others Patrick Riley. He is a prolific television producer and host, producing for the likes of Mama O, yes, Oprah Winfrey, Wendy Williams, I could name a ton of others. He's also a TV host and he is also a publicity guru. He is my family and my friend from the National Association of Black Journalists. And you know what? He is going to be my guest for our, wait for it, Pride episode. Yeah, we're a little late, but never too late to talk about what's going on with the LGBTQ community. And you know what? It's the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. So we'll hear from Patrick see what he's up to and see what he's done in the realm of pop culture to push for equality. For those of you in Dallas, I cordially invite you to the very first Coach and Go Live group session. It's group coaching like you've never had it before. We're going to be discussing executive presence, powering it up in a digital world, and only 10 people can come. So you need to hurry up and get your tickets. Go to lmichellesmith.com and click on the icon that says Coach and Go Live and get your tickets. And y'all, it's a bargain. It's 90 minutes of my time for less than the cost of one-on-one time with me for an hour. Also, you want to make sure that you check out the relationship fireside chat that we have online on demand between myself and a representative from the Women's Opera Network. 
That icon is also on the front page of elmichellesmith.com. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at theculturesoup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Talk to you next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communication.